0: This is big man tyrone and you're about to watch the mtg cabal cast with your
1: hosts woad thirsty and raptor sub to us on all your podcast networks at mtg cabal cast and youtube all right guys welcome to the newest quarantine episode of the cabal cast uh there have been some updates in magic related to what's going on in the world. So that's definitely one of the things we're going to talk about today is what that means. Uh, Aquaria was delayed. The other topic we're going to touch on is liquidity right now. Uh, Feedback, you know, personally from us, as well as some vendors that we've spoken to and what they've Mm -hmm. said their marketplace kind of looks like right now. So let's uh, get started. Uh,
0: So the initial bit of news came late last week on the 26th. I'll bring this up there is a change to the release of Acoria. We initially thought that this would be a play at home pre-release as of, I think it was not quite a month ago, but that was basically all we had, yeah. a lot of uncertainty because a lot of things were in flux. So right now, the dates have pretty much kind of been solidified and the waves of release set forth uh, by Watsi. Uh, also in this announcement, is the second wave of mystery boosters that are going to go free direct to LGSs um, either by
1: it finally did something for the LGS good yeah. job
0: so if the the beast be believed like I said there will be no cost to the LGS they're just free to sell these uh, yeah So, but that's awesome my only question is if they think LGSs are going to be closed until May 15th how are you supposed to sell these but I guess online sales have to be the way to go
1: Yeah, it's got to be the only thing you can do. Which is going to suck because that's every LGS competing with every LGS in the country. A little bit, yeah. At that point.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, As far as um, the Ikoria release date change goes, uh, within. It's not even the US, it's like uh, the the Americas, Europe, and uh, a fair chunk of APAC are going to be moved almost a full month back to May 15th. Yeah. How it was determined that those areas specifically compared to Japan, Korea, China, Taiwan, and Hong Kong still being uh, mid-April is interesting to me. Uh,
1: I think it's because the Chinese printers are being used for Acoria, if I had to guess. okay. So they can print them there and just release them and not have to worry about shipping. shipping. Whereas okay. if it was the European printers, then like Europe would get it on time and most of the other people would be delayed. Got but it. that's, that's just my, no. Guess. That,
0: that makes sense. I didn't, th- I, I didn't think about shipping delays. I mainly thought about it, you know, if they're paying attention globally to what is and isn't locked down and for how long that also makes sense because yeah. different areas are handling things differently. Uh, the, the thing that stands out about that delay base it, to me also is this could mean a lower adoption of sealed product by players because they have to wait essentially until the end of April to get their product. Yeah. And why is that? If LGSs are slated to do their pre-release and their releases on May 15th, that's because Amazon is currently stocking Akoria and has a release date of April 24th for everything. And yep. if okay. there might be a delay just for the release compared to the sale at the LGS level. But this looks like gave with one hand to take with the other LGS is get mystery boosters, but they get hoisted by Amazon on a choreo release.
1: Yeah. I, the, the thing that's also interesting to me is it doesn't say anything about the set's legality, the date the set is legal. And if that changes based on the release, because oh, yeah. it'll create a lot of pressure on Asian vendors or APAC vendors. If, they're the only ones with singles product, uh, especially because, you know, being international at that point, they can kind of charge whatever they want to and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, what What are, what are you going to do about it? Yeah,
0: Amazon stock it? is not and... distro stock, so we don't know how much is going to last on Amazon to feed the U.S. market or the European market, etc Yeah, so it could just be upon the shoulders of the APAC vendors to really fill that gap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, Amoto and Arena get it. A full, a full month early as well. So that kind of curtails paper adoption, mm-hmm. at least in the delayed markets. It is the Thursday before um, the, the the Asian release, so April 16th versus the 17th. So that, yeah. again, puts interesting pressure on the paper market, regardless of who is supplying. What is the, the draw going to be like? And with this delayed release, that's going... Star City might actually be able to start scheduling events now but as you suggested with the legality being so fluid right now we don't know who's yeah, going to be able I, to do what
1: If because if the set's still legal on the original date of uh, let's see April I think, was it April 24th yeah. I believe was the original yep. date I, that's going to be I think that's bad for LGS's and good for the big guys Your star cities, your cool stuffs, your card kingdoms, the places that get a really steep cut like sports and more style on wholesale and then open hundreds of boxes for singles because they're the only place that has Mm -hmm. them then. And you need them right away so that you're not going to get them on TCG because TCG doesn't have overnight shipping, whereas or, you know, next day or two to three day, whatever not always anyways, and you can guarantee the Cool Stuff, Card Kingdom, Star City, Channel Fireball, from their direct website, miniature market, places like that have that shipping option available. So I I think that's another way that they're kind of, through no fault of their own in this case, uh, sort of taking away from what the LGS gains Uh, out of this. Because like mystery boosters are cool, but they're also kind of dead now.
0: Yeah, they're, from everything we've heard, there's still a blast of draft. People love that format, the idea of that format as a whole, but the singles market has definitely cooled, so buying a box, even at close to $200 and reselling for a profit, almost is, is not impossible to do right now unless you spike that yeah. box and you're uh, doing player-to-player <laughs> sales on Facebook or some other direct platform like that. So it, it increases the difficulty. Um, and it's, it's interesting as well because the pre-release and the release are stacked up on the same weekend so that stores can buy WOTC contracts, sell everything that weekend. So an LGS can't bust and sell singles because technically, unless something changes in that contract, they're not able to. Those cards are technically not legal the way things stand right now. And who knows? This could shake out a little more and this could change. But right now, the... the the LGS is that really only do these release events are the ones that are, are going to suffer and make standard environments fairly interesting and prices are definitely going to be way out of whack for a while because of this.
1: Yeah I it's also interesting thinking like in terms of what's what will define staples uh, when you think about the metagames of the different areas, you talk about like Shoda how he always attacks the meta game in a very certain mm-hmm. way and how certain tech, you know, happens in the APAC region, certain tech happens in the European region. The metagame, if the legality doesn't change, is going to be defined entirely by the APAC play style, which is going to be interesting, I think, because you'll also have, like, you know, extrapolating from that, like your 95s, your Haru those are going to be the models that people are going to look to for what to price their singles at release. Yeah they're they're not going to do like, you know, there's most of the big vendors actually talk to each other about how they're going to price singles. You're going to have such a big lead time now with your Japanese vendors, your Chinese vendors, your Taiwanese and Hong Kong vendors that you're going to have to kind of go off their model. And that's going to be interesting to see if anything sort of slips through the cracks and you have some stuff that, you know, might not seem like it's incredibly busted at first i'm looking at you oko and all of a sudden by the time the product's available we know what it is so
0: yeah and and that pricing holds holds strong and moves through the secondary as well and it causes ripples there coming out of uh, uh, apac region because oftentimes you're able to jump ahead on tech and pricing if you pay attention to different regions as Metagame shift through the world, depending on where the next event's going to be, or where certain play, certain people are traveling, and going to be able to display what they're doing. Yeah. So, it's going. This is going to be a wild ride for this set, and there are a lot of questions that uh, a lot of small things that add up to big in the end that we just have to uh, wait for. a you know are they going to print this set longer because of the delay will there be more available at the start than previously anticipated and things like that and that could also affect the pricing of singles it not adversely but differently than it has in the past there have been sets that have sold out on release weekend and you just couldn't get any more for a week or two you had to wait for the next distro order well People are waiting for this set. They have nothing to do right now besides mystery boosters. If that really does cool between now and the middle of May in these regions that are delayed that long, does that create more of a fervent opportunity for people to really just buy this set out and if they don't overstock, to sealed go up and singles prices follow accordingly because nobody can get their hands on what they need. And it, yeah, and it's going to create an, an interesting marketplace for sure. And you know, this is one of those things that we'll continue to talk about because this is still in direct reference to uh, the COVID-19 fallout and uh, event pausing, cancellation, etc. So as things change and we get a better idea of the landscape, we want to talk through this so that everybody's prepared and able to do what they need to financially, either for uh, gain in regards to holding product or uh, just to be able to pick up what they need for sale or not sale, sorry, for, for yeah. purchase and personal play. So.
1: I, the other thing that's kind of interesting is so, you know, we've at at this point, we can basically assume that core is actively being printed. Yeah. So if there's a production delay, we're probably not going to see it until Zendikar. Mm. So if the precedent has been set. That we are able to delay sets for reasons like this, whereas, you know, Darksteel, some of it got lost, whatever, that's fine. Are they going to further delay other sets and will that create like at what point do you delay sets long enough that you're like, all right, this is just our new release calendar now?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I could throw things off because
1: at this point we have two months between set release. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of time for a meta to establish itself within that timeline. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there, too, because, you know, there's Again, this is completely unprecedented. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that in a faith-based market, a faith-based economy, that no one, and I'm not sure I disagree at all, no. no one is saying that, you know, this makes magic a less viable product. And I again, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I, I don't think that this does make it a less viable product by any means. No. I just think it's interesting that no one is even mentioning it as a possibility.
0: Yeah. I, I think a lot of it's just going to come down to see what Watsi wants to do. I mean, they're, they have a suggested price for all of this stuff, you know, that gets, that starts at distro and trickles down. And they also have the opportunity to yeah. turn the knobs if they want and change things and not change distribution patterns, but maybe change how things are bundled in the future. And, you know, maybe they, they fire sale Okoria just to get it into the hands of players or purposefully overstock Okoria yep. uh, in various aspects. The, the, the two month timeline to really kind of hammer out a metagame lends itself a little more to how they want to handle their tournament structures moving forward, and maybe they move with a format that doesn't really uh, change a whole lot based on standard releases and put in a bunch more modern in between Akoria and uh, Core or Ikoria and Zendikar and just dot the landscape a little longer with modern. Yeah. And then maybe weave in some Pioneer to try and help people out a little bit in regards to card acquisition and pricing of a, what could be a short-sold standard format. But... Yeah. I, I don't know. Like I said, a lot of this is just kind of us waiting and circling around WOTC and hoping that they get to us as players and people who enjoy this game, the information that we need to really be able to take advantage of this. Yeah. You know, short of that, you'll be able to continue to jam everything on arena and moto if you want, but that, that doesn't really replace the paper (coughs) aspect of the game. Once we're able to come back and actually start enjoying it.
1: Um, The the other interesting fallout from this, you know, kind of bridging into the next topic is how liquidity has changed in singles. Mm -hmm. Uh, because for me, modern standard legacy are like, I'm paying, I used to pay between 60 to 65%. I'm paying 20% now because it doesn't move. Nobody wants it. Everybody's dumping it for just fire sale prices because people are out of work and they need money. And it's not that I'm like trying to take advantage of them at all. I'm one of the few people in the area that's actively buying Uh still. It's just that I'm going to sit on this stuff indefinitely, unless it's EDH, which thematically, Acoria feels like it could be an EDH set. So you may see that some of the singles are a little bit more liquid out of this set. Um, I don't know what it's been like for you, but it's been mono EDH for me in that set.
0: Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I mean, uh, basically all the LGSs have been down for almost a month now, so it's been kind of barren up here. I was talking to one of the individual vendors up here who provides singles for one of the stores, and uh, she does kind of like flea market-style stuff up here as well as sales on TCG, and has had nothing. The area has been dry for the last couple of weeks, and that includes Facebook Marketplace for the state. So she's actually going to turn to Craigslist and see what's going on there, because that's fairly active in our state, in our area. And it's interesting. I know people still play EDH. I'm in a number of groups, so I do get those notifications when people want to just jam on Skype. But nobody really seems keen to pick up anything, and I have yet to see anybody looking to sell anything, which is actually a little more surprising for me. I thought by now I would definitely see some modern collections go up, and I would see some people trying to get out of larger EDH staples, but not because they need to get rid of their dual lands or the cradles. They don't believe in that kind of stuff, but it's because a lot of people here just don't live paycheck to paycheck, essentially. And so what I expected to see is what I'm seeing in larger Facebook groups as well, which is you can sell anything you want in any of those groups and somebody will buy it as long as you price it properly but at that point in time you are going to take a beating on this stuff on the high-end stuff
1: yeah you know that's and that's kind of been my experience with my online sales lately is if it's not edh it's not moving Uh, i you know there's there's plenty of vendors that are still buying i mean you know like we said 95 launched their buy list right before this and it's still there and it's still the same prices which is interesting they they have not tanked their buy prices uh, if you're looking for online buy lists, most of them have shut off now, with the exception being Cool Stuff, mm-hmm. who actually increased the credit bump they're offering okay. during this time period. So, like uh, Card Kingdom was on delay, 72 hours, and they reduced a bunch of their buy prices. Star City is offline. Uh, Channel Fireball is up in the air still. I TCG Direct is yep. down. Uh, so any of the vendors that thrived specifically on direct or off mm-hmm. the books and cool stuff bumped their credit and didn't really drop any of their yeah. prices, which is interesting. Uh, I noted
0: uh, in the middle of the week, because uh, I got uh, a little bit of code that I've tossed out to our patrons that pulls out the Card Kingdom uh, hot list to make it digestible. They have moved almost exclusively into EDH territory, so they have pulled back on a lot of their high-end stuff. It was noted earlier in uh an almost predatory buying video uh from a youtube personality saying that because card kingdom pulled back on a lot of their alpha alpha and beta power prices or even buying uh stopped buying them at all that this was the end of you know an era so to speak and markets would come crashing down that's incorrect they pulled back to refocus their buy list so looking at this hot list yeah reality sculptor is on here um Painful Quandary, Platinum Empyrean, uh, Whip of Erebos, Deranged Hermit, Necromancy, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that is on the Card Kingdom bylist. Bribery, Swiftfoot Boots is on here. That is an EDH list. So we are still seeing people keep their bylaws open but refocus too, and that's super important. But that also goes to show that EDH is still a very liquid format. The only thing that I've seen up here, and it seems in general, be a liquid are just kind of like low hanging standard staples. Like nobody yeah. can move anything that isn't immediately playable anymore.
1: Like, yep. And it's playable in a casual setting because those are the games that are going. now. Yeah. If you're, if you're a grinder, if you're trying to like make it, you're on moto and you're on arena. Yep. You don't need to exactly. pay cards. So it's gotta be your casual yep. stuff.
0: Uh, like I said, uh, Card Kingdom does have something like uh, Robber the Rich and Embercleave on here, but that's the, that speaks more to the Pioneer side of their bios because Nykthos is also on here. So, while not a casual format, some yeah. of those cards do overlap. Embercleave is going to go in your EDH equipment decks, but they are kind of preparing for a Pioneer surge afterwards and stuff like that. It's not like... Yeah. yeah. But Embercleave isn't a low-hanging standard staple anymore, or it never really was so to speak. So that, that's really uh, what I'm seeing when it comes to liquidity. Like I, I'm personally yeah. uh, holding a lot of my stuff because I really culled my modern collection down to uh, playables. I'm not sitting a lot of overstock. But I'm not unhappy to be sitting on all my EDH specs. Because a lot of those are still yeah. moving in a positive direction. And the majority of what I'm tracking is still holding strong and basically just roping according to uh, Echo that's what I use instead of a TCG yeah. inventory. Ah, uh, okay. So, like, the, the, the game's not coming to a grinding halt. The, the financial aspect of this it's, game is not going to fall out from underneath you. What we're seeing now when people are just dumping uh, higher-end specs or um, entire decks, large collections, are the people that need the money now, not the people that can't afford yep. to hold on. And that's a very important distinction to make. You know, it it's, it doesn't speak volumes about somebody that has to fire sale their cards, but there are bills to pay in a time period where people aren't making what they used to. And they might have dumped a lot of money into these cards and were going to build themselves back up afterwards. Yeah. But they got hoisted in the meantime, and now they need to get rid of this stuff. So don't take yeah. illiquidity of... Uh, A number of aspects of this game as something that says things are coming to a grinding halt no different people different situations and you need to be mindful understanding of that that there are implications yes but it doesn't it doesn't mean that we're done
1: yeah Yeah. it's just much more it's a (laughs) shifting of the model uh, which you know again you just have to adapt and you're fine it just has to you know You shift to what you're invested in. The whole thing as a vendor is you want to hold on to cards exactly long enough to turn them into cash or more cards. So if that means you operate on thinner margins for a little bit, you operate on thinner margins. And that's fine. That's just how you have to do it. But that's basically what it shifted to now. It's not the traditional model, you know, people who thrived on gps are obviously having to change up mm-hmm. your lgs's are obviously affected which you know th- i'm very glad that they threw in the arena event as like a bone to the lgs while they're closed Yeah, oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. hey guys you can host a arena event for ten dollars which i participated in and didn't even play nice but yeah I, I i think stuff like that's good but the model has changed the market has changed drastically yes. Ab- absolutely
0: and you know this is a time where if you have to sell out because you need to make ends meet that's perfectly fine if you don't that's also fine but take this time this kind of drought and figure out how you want to move forward in f- yeah. in finance
1: yeah
0: like you know, the the end on that yeah. i don't know if we can really say much more much more than that no but- Again, this is something we'll talk about as well because eventually there will come a time where if everybody's stuck inside and you can't get out there and you can't move cards, the idea behind what's happening in the marketplace will change and there might come a time where, you know, certain aspects of this game will falter and fall away and we'll be there to cover it. Yeah. So.
1: That's uh yeah, stay tuned for an update. But in the meantime,
0: Thanks. thanks. I want you to go first, because I had no idea what this card was, so I think it's way more interesting than mine.
1: Okay, so I went for Elvish Lyrist, the foil promo from way back in the days of 2001, when life was simpler and we had another national crisis take hold. Uh, This was handed out as part of the Junior Super Series. So the reason I picked this is, one, it's a star foil. I love star foils. Two... The card is, like, less than $2. It's the only foil printing of the card. Mm-hmm. And if you've noticed, some of these older promos have kind of started drying up lately. Um, or, sorry, there's a 7th edition foil, but I believe that's a different art, if I'm not mistaken. 7th
0: yeah,
1: and 8th. Yeah, 8th is new border. That's not a star foil. It doesn't okay. count. Okay, yeah, fair But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, as as these older promos have sort of started to dry up, I've tried to take a look at some of the lower hanging fruit that exists there, uh, and see you know all right. So what what can we do? I mean, obviously you have the City of Brass JSS is worth you know a hundred bucks or so. The Crusade is worth you know nine to ten. Well, you look at the old like Foil Disenchant and stuff like that. That's just over the last six to eight months started ticking up gradually, and in some cases has exploded. And this seemed like a low-hanging fruit with good utility and decent playability in the EDH. Uh, it's, you know, a universal green effect in an incredibly relevant tribe because elves are all over EDH. That's just how it works. Yep. And I think that, honestly, at about less than $2, I don't even know how many copies we can get for that price on TCG, but it's quite a few right yeah. now. There's a vendor with six of them for 50 cents each with two dollars shipping, granted. But you
0: buy enough, it evens out. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I think that seems fairly affordable considering I could see this card with like a four to five dollar buy mm-hmm. list eventually, uh, especially if it gets bought out and it spikes. That's when you can capitalize on you know, assuming they're there. Yep, the buy list that tend to react a lot more quickly because of like. Spikes, like Card Kingdom type stuff. And I think that's probably your out here. Uh, hold on to maybe a or two, you know, for the homies so you can hook them up yep. if they need it for EDH or something. But by and large, that would be my out. And I'd say, honestly, it, if it doesn't spike within the next six to eight months, at the cost you're in on it, you're fine holding on to them probably.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're fine. There are a lot of these uh, JSS cards that are just kind of sitting at, uh, like... A dollar or two, right around the same price. It really seems like the floor is currently set by Slith Firewalker as an uncommon. Uh, well, sorry, a yeah. regular printing, on regular printed uncommon. Everything else is a little bit more than that. Even Volcanic Hammer costs about a dollar fifty. But yeah, aside from City of Brass, which has utility outside of uh, EDH, we have seen the growth in in our time working in this industry of the Elvis Champion. And the Glorious Anthem. Now granted these are junior APACs, which is why they have a several hundred dollar price point. But yeah. we have watched this stuff grow over time. And yeah. the floor on a lot of the other cards in the JSS series that aren't APAC is at least two dollars. Aside from two headed dragon, which is nine. So you can expect yeah. this card to tick up over time as these things disappear from the market. At the end of the day, though, like you said, your you're out's going to be most likely a buy list. You're not really going to find somebody who is hunting specifically for the stuff unless it's EDH or a collector of this, yeah. the Super Series stuff.
1: Exactly, uh, that would be the yeah. other one. Uh,
0: alternatively, if you wanted to make this market yours, there is the opportunity to just wander in and buy a lot of this stuff and pump the price yourself. You can definitely do that. Yeah. Lord of Atlantis is on here for $20 or $20-ish. Dollars. Sarah Avatar, Royal Assassin... You know, these are those, yeah. those last two are about ten dollars each. You can definitely make this market yours and corner a lot of it if you want to move in and throw some money at it, which isn't a bad idea because oftentimes in a narrow market like this, you are paid dividend. It Yeah, you are you are paid dividends when that floor rises. You just have to want to allocate the funds for the period of time it takes, and then the amount of space. So you're just tying up capital yeah. and uh, and space.
1: So. But it, it's such an easy end, you know, like I said. I, and like you said, if you want to corner the market on it, you can do it for like 100 bucks on some of these cards. It's pretty good. Yeah, uh,
0: absolutely. This is the, the kind of thing where population is small enough where it might make sense more to do that rather than just buy a few copies. So there's definitely multiple strategies you can take here, and most, if not all, should be viable. Uh, also, don't underestimate the fact that the card uh, self-sacrifices, which is kind yeah. of important in uh edh if you're going to work with within uh golgari or green black x putting a creature yep. in your graveyard and triggering any number of effects is always worth uh, a minimal investment and for one to play yep. the creature and another one to sacrifice it you know at your got minimal effect there so keep that in mind uh, pretty good. another reason why it's a decent pickup uh, my spec goes in a different direction this has been a card i've been looking at personally for a while since uh, before War of the Spark, uh, I picked up uh, a bunch of Aether Snaps as just kind of a thought experiment at about 25 cents each because nobody really had any of them. And then War of the Spark details came out and oh, it's going to be a Planeswalker based set. And myself, like a number of other people thought, okay, well, when Planeswalkers take over EDH because they'll all be bonkers, even down to the uncommons, this card will rise up as it only has two printings. Dark Steel yep. and Commander 2014. So it absolutely did. Market price drove it uh, up to about a dollar. And then uh, average just never really caught up. And it came crashing down in about March. Yep. So why move on a card that has uh, both shot up and then came tumbling back down? Well... Thanks to Mark Rosewater, we know there are going to be at least 12 different types of unique counters in this set. And regardless of whether or not it's a counter that gives a keyword ability, like Trample, for instance, this card yep. gets rid of all of them. It gets rid of all counters, yep. regardless of what they are, and ends Planeswalkers. As well as creature tokens, as as a bonus, right? It costs yep. 5, it slots in perfectly, it costs uh, much less than Ingaruk's Wake. And just houses, yeah. houses, houses, houses aboard. board. Uh, now, uh, with with this card, you look at okay, it had a main set printing in Darksteel, and it had an EDH print in Commander 2014. Well, and it's kind of funny that you mentioned it, Darksteel had an issue when it was being stored, and a good chunk of that set was destroyed. So yep. cards from Darksteel are inherently more rare than Mirrodin or Fifth Dawn, just based on the fact that there was that error. Uh, issue ahead of time commander 2014 is the monocolor deck commanders those are extremely difficult to find highly open because they are great but difficult to find and the market is drying up on them so you have a card that's essentially was bulk up until about war of the spark shot up to a dollar and now the price has reset back down to about 60 cents which means that if you got in early enough you're already up on this card yeah. My initial out was going to be list but those are pretty much all dried up right about now for something as casual as this. So I gotta wait a little longer for Achoria to come out and then people to see renewed interest in this card. Something something else that I found interesting while I was doing my research for this was that the floor on this on TCG player, while it might actually look like it is about uh, forty to fifty cents at the individual vendor level, when you start filtering for quantity greater than four, you start to get a lot of stores that have these from uh 60 cents to a dollar and there are only yep a, a few that have them at 60 cents and then it goes to over a dollar very very quickly so as the low hanging fruit disappear the market value is just going to jump inherently just because that delta is yep. going to close this is a card that if you have the ability to move in on i would go in on in quantity like just Bulk buy because this card is going to get better and better as things go on, and the only thing that's going to disrupt the price is going to be a main set printing, i.e., standard or a supplemental set printing in a modern in a master set. But the more they go back and reprint additional types of counters, unique type of counters, or they make cards like doubling season better, a card like aether snap is just going to kind of survive and <clears throat> and be a decent hold over time. I don't really see yeah this card coming back in a standard set, it would have to be something uh, inherently counters-based like uh, Akoria, and after this opportunity, it just kind of disappears. It made sense back in Mirrodin, because everything put a counter on everything, and there were a ton of different types between modular counters and things like Darksteel Reactor, which had its own set of counters, etc. That it made sense there. Yeah. So if it's not in Akoria, then we are just off to the races on this card. And if you, even if you're able to get in now at somewhere between 40 and $0.60, cents, then an easy out should be when this card hits 150, $2, etc in the future.
1: Yeah. So and I I think you know highlighting again the casual aspect of it and the fact that it spiked when counters and planeswalkers were a mm-hmm. thing. You know, like you said, once we hit that spot with Ikoria it's inevitable that it's going to spike again, similar to when I picked Clark's, stamp, Clark's Thumb a couple weeks yep. ago, and I was like, hey, anytime there's a coin flip, this card spikes. Yes. So if any time that X happens, Y card A spikes? Yeah. Well, it's going to happen inevitably. Yes. So if, you know, counters that give trampling stuff, like you said, are a thing, of course it's going to yep. spike. It might not stick. But if it spikes and you can out it on a buy list or you can out it for half of the spike on Facebook, which pro tip, if you sell it for half of the spike, say you only have a play set, even if you have a hundred, because people won't buy from a filthy speculator. Yes, but the personal experience, just the. But you can out.
0: send out as many play sets behind the scenes as you have. So <laughs> easy yes. peasy. No, you're absolutely, I, <laughs> I, I like the the inner workings there. That, that's, that's great. Um, yeah. The other thing I want to mention is, and I mentioned this on uh, our quick hits that I put out this weekend, this is the card that does its job the best. It is not the second best. It is not the, be- uh, the third best. It is the best at what it does. Yep. So when you have a unique effect like that, it is synergistic with what you're doing or it works well against your community, your table, what's coming down the pipe in terms of EDH releases, it, that card is going to be worth money. Look at Training Grounds. Yeah. Training Grounds is the best at what it does. There are two other options to play, Hearthstone and Biomancer's Familiar. And Training Grounds is the best at what it does. That is why it costs over $20. Rarity yeah. from Zendikar, never been reprinted, etc. cetera. Th- that aside, it is the best, hands down. So
1: Pretty great. Uh,
0: I think that's going to be it for us this week but we will be back at some point next week. Hopefully, after an April 2nd announcement from uh, WotC and the Akoria uh, video, we'll have a little more to talk about in regards to upcoming mechanics and some interesting picks based on that. But until then, I am at Haltion Reptar. You are...
1: I am uh, at ThirstySizzle. You are
0: at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter and Patreon and Facebook. And as we keep asking... We don't care about the like or the subscribe, but please leave us feedback so we can continue to serve you guys better. Yep. Thanks so much, guys.